Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are in the second week of a series entitled Better, and it's a very, very practical series. We're talking about how to win at home. This is going to take us all the way up to Thanksgiving. And uh, so we, we told you when we started this series last week that if you showed up every week and you started to implement all the principles, we're going to teach you that by the time you get to Thanksgiving, your relationships are going to be stronger, your home is going to be um, better. And so that's the idea behind this series. And if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you to go back, listen to the message, because we talked about so much that sets the tone for, for uh, each step as we go through this series. Last week, if you weren't, uh, weren't here, I want to catch you up real quick. But here's, uh, here's where we're going to be today. If you would, go ahead and grab your Bibles and head over to Luke chapter 14. So that's where we'll start. And as you're headed there, if you weren't here last week, this is where we started. Uh, we were talking about how when it comes to our life, our relationships, our marriage, our families, our homes, uh, we all, whether we say it or not, whether we write it down or not, we all believe that we're going to have this perfect home. We always we think we're going to have the perfect marriage, perfect life. Like this is what it's going to look like. And, and I don't know if you noticed, but last week there wasn't even a tree here. So this thing has grown a tree over the week. And so that's pretty amazing. It's gotten even better, right? This, this idea, this perfect image of life is getting better. It's even um, got lights. It's pretty awesome. This is what we think life is going to be like. But any of you that have any amount of years on you, you know that life does not go as planned. Right on? you got to say it loud so all the young people here in the room, because I don't want you getting disappointed uh, when life doesn't go the way that you planned. And so we know that even though this is the idea, we, we don't say it, but we all in our mind, we think we're going to have the perfect life. Even though we know that this is impossible, somehow we get it in our head that this is the way it's going to go. And when life turns out like this, we're disappointed. This thing is, is it's a mess right now, man. The roof has fallen on it. I mean, it's just not, it's not good. Um, but this is the way life goes, right? Nothing goes as planned. Things crop up. Um, illness, sickness, broken relationships, kids that decide to, to go against what you asked them to do or instructed them to do. And all these different things play out in life. And, and even though we thought we were going to get this, this is what we have. And for some of us, we don't even have this. Like for some of us, this is where we're at. Like, we're not even sure if we have all the right pieces, but we know it's not put together, and we're struggling, and uh, whether it's divorce or loss, whatever it is. And our, our question last week was, what do we do with this? When life doesn't turn out the way that we wanted, what we had in mind, what we planned, what do we do? And here's the line from last week that we taught you, is that God can redeem anything. Right on? He can redeem anything. If we just give it to him, if we come to him, we offer it to him, God can take something ugly, broken, messed up, and he can turn it into something absolutely beautiful. That's what we learned last week. And so today, I want to talk to you about the foundation on how we start to win at home, how, how we do better at home. And uh, how many of you uh, played Jenga 
Anyone Jenga? Like that, okay. Uh, my wife is a Jenga master. She's ridiculous. I don't even play with her anymore because it turns into a full contact sport with her. And uh, it's, if you don't know what Jenga is, it's a box of blocks that come in and, and you're supposed to stack them. They're all crisscrossed. And what you do is you try to find a loose one, pull it out from the bottom, somewhere closer to the bottom, and stack it on top. And, and you keep going until somebody, usually me, pulls it out and the whole thing falls over. And then everyone points and makes fun of them, laughs at them, and calls them a loser. Um, at least that's the way it goes in our house. And so um, I've stopped playing with my wife because she's so competitive at it. So now she's playing with my five-year-old granddaughter and she's teaching her that life is not fair. And so uh, it's, it's a fun game. But here's, here's the thing. There's actually a guy, we were doing some research on this, and there's a guy out there. His name's Kelvin. And uh, they call him the uh, Manga Man. I guess Jenga is copyrighted or something, so he can't use that, but he's Manga Man. And uh, he's, he's setting all kinds of world records. He's doing it, but he's doing it differently. Instead of starting with a stable base, he's, he's just starting with one block and he builds everything on top. And he's doing these amazing masterpieces on top of just one block. And they are crazy. You'll have to check it out. But uh, this is just a sample. And some of them he's had to remove ceiling tiles because he's gotten so tall with them. But he just recently set the world record for building an entire tower on top of one block. You want to see the video, anybody? Uh, it's a pretty amazing. It's time-lapse. It'll show you what he did and how he did it here. And on the left-hand side, you got a, like an aerial shot of what he's doing. And then, of course, the countdown is actually the um, number of boxes, not blocks, but boxes that he's stacking. And then uh, bottom left, I love how they show you his uh, heart rate because mine would have been like 180 in there, you know. But uh, he, he stacks all of these in, in a very strategic way. He's got a method to his madness, and he does a very good job on stacking these. And by the time he gets to the end here, he'll show you the last six pieces because he shows off that way, right? Uh, just to show you that you can't do what he does. And then uh, he places them on top. And I think, if I remember right, it's like over 1,500, um, 1,500 and... 12, 1,512 Jengas on top of one. It's a world record. Now, I show all this to you, not to show you that, but because of this. I want to show you what happens at the end here. I love that. I mean, the stacking, that was cool, but that was 10 times better because I'm sadistic. I like that. Uh, but the thing is, he was building it all on one block, and the whole thing, 1,500 of them, come down crashing around him. And what's interesting about that is Jesus talked about building in Scripture. Do you realize that? Uh, Luke chapter 14, it says this, But don't begin until you count the costs. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? So he says, think about it. Make sure you have a plan and make sure you calculate the costs because it's unwise to, to continue if you don't count the cost. He goes on to say, otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then, and this is what happens at my house, everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. The whole idea behind this series, Better, How to Win at Home, is not about building towers, but it's about building a home. It's about building relationships. And, and in order for those relationships to be strong, there's an order that we follow in that. And I'm guessing that some of you probably um, didn't follow the instructions that Scripture had. And uh, the one Jenga block that you used to build everything upon wasn't strong enough. And maybe in your relationships, you relate more to what happened at the end of that world record video than the beginning. And you saw things crash down around you. You thought you had it all figured out. You thought you were setting it up for this perfect home, that things were going in the right direction. And you had all the answers. 
only to find out that all of it came crashing down around you. Now, Jesus said in this passage, look, you need to to think through it. You need to have a plan before you build a tower or a building. You need to make sure that you count the costs. And when we hear that, all of us in here go, absolutely, like, duh, right? You would never build a house. We wouldn't even build like a shed or a dog house unless we knew what it was going to cost and we had a plan to it. But yet, get this. This is what's interesting. When it comes to the most important things in life, like our home and our relationships and our marriages, we just jump into them. We don't have a plan. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what the foundation is. We don't give it any thought when it comes to our home or our relationships. Now, there's not a single person in here who wants to fail. There's not. All of us would say we definitely want to win at home. And I know that because as we do premarital counseling, we sit down with all these couples and not a single couple has ever told me, Here, here's what we want to do. We want to have like a really, really go at it. We want to make a good run at it for about five to seven years, and then we just want to call it quits. Nobody ever says that. They all say we want to be married, and we want to stay married, and we want a happy home, and we want to raise great kids. We want a God-honoring marriage and a, and a great life and a good home and stable home. That's what they say. And it's interesting that we never give it another thought. We don't plan it out. We just jump right into it. Uh, There's a book out there called Becoming Better Together. It's written by Dr. John Van Emp. And here's the thing. If you're married, I recommend this book. If you're dating, I especially recommend this book. You need this book. Go get it right away and read through it. Because in that, Dr. Emp actually shares the truth about how relationships are built according to God's word and what makes them stable and what makes them sustainable. And what he uses is what he calls the RAM model. It's, it's, it's an acronym. It just stands for Relationship Attachment Model. And in that, there's these five components that, that he used almost like a soundboard. They're sliders and they go up and down and you can rate yourself on them. But they need to happen in a particular order for you to have a solid God-honoring relationship. And this isn't just for marriages. It's for all relationships. It's relationships with your kids. It's relationship with coworkers, everything. If you follow this, it's incredible how effective it is. Let me just show you the RAM model here. Um, these five components are know, trust, rely, commit, and touch. And they have to work from left to right. This is the way that you build a great relationship. Now, with that being said, I want to kind of spell out each one of these components so we know what we're talking about. The first one is no. And this is a result of sharing thoughts and dreams, of feelings and experiences day to day, just spending time together, getting to know each other. My wife and I, we, I think we rate pretty high on no. And the reason for that is because we have spent so much time together. We started dating when we were in the eighth grade. We went all the way. We grew up together. We went through high school together. We were high school sweethearts, got married, and we spent our, our entire married life together. We, we say it this way. We don't say no. We say we have history. That's what we say. But what we're talking about is we know each other very, very well. And no is not just about communication. It's about quality of communication. It's not, hey, how's the weather? Hey, how was work today, right? It's, it's more than surface. It goes really, really deep. Uh, guys, all of this information's free, okay? I was given this information. I've used it. I'm giving it to you for free. So you can just take it and run with it, all right? Here's something I ask my wife every once in a while. And uh, you're gonna think it's funny because to guys, this means nothing. But to our ladies, this means everything. I ask my wife every once in a while, I'll just stop and I'll ask her, how's your heart today? Right? Some of the ladies are like, yep, see, right? Because to guys, that doesn't mean anything. But to a lady, that means everything. And, and to ask that question, it goes a lot deeper than, well, how was your day? 
it gets down to how's she doing emotionally, mentally, physically, how's she doing spiritually, right? Um, I, I was thinking through this message a few weeks ago, and my wife and I were in the car. We're headed into town, and so we got, you know, at least 30 minutes in the car. I had her trapped. It was just the two of us, and I decided I was going to test this out a little bit, so I changed a question on the way in. Here's what I asked, and I knew, and guys, you're going to go, you're an idiot. This is suicide when I say this, and you were right, okay, but I was going to test this out anyway, um, and, and here's what I asked her. I, I said, hey, babe, um, if you could improve me in one way, what would you change? Oh, yeah, you guys are like, you're an idiot. Um, but here's what I did. I was driving, and I asked the question. I went, and I just kind of cringed because I thought, here it comes. And then 10 minutes go by, and she still hadn't answered me. And I was like, oh, no, there's so many things. She can't pick just one. Like, this is bad. This is going to end, right? But I, I, could, I could tell you what she said because she did come up with a really good answer, and she gave it to me. But that's none of your business, so I'm not going to tell you. Um, <laughs> But that's a great question. It's questions like that that we're talking about when, when you're talking about getting to know each other. My question is this. In your relationships, whether it's husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, parenting, grand, grandparenting, whatever it is, do you have quality communication? And, and keep in mind that it's an ongoing thing. Like you just don't ask the one question and move on. It's not the, hey, I told you I loved you when I married you, and if it ever changed, I'd let you know. Right? That doesn't work. Like it's constant, it's ongoing. And here's why. Because circumstances change in relationships, right? Like you might be dating for a while, and if you decide to get married, you get married. Well, that, that's a change. That's a big change. Your, your communication has to continue because the circumstances are changing. You have kids. You have grown-up kids. You have grandkids. Communication changes because the circumstances change. And without proper knowledge of constant communication, distance is going to form, and it's going to affect the other four components, and you know what happens is down the road, you're not keeping up that, that quality communication. This is why we have couples come in the office and, and one of the spouses will say something like this. I don't know them anymore. You ever heard that? This is where it comes from. Um, couples, if you want to grow in this know, here's an option for you. Starting this Tuesday, we're kicking off a cherished Bible study for married couples. This is for married couples, and uh, it's, it's incredible. We're going to start at 6.30 right here at the building. Show up, be a part of that, and you'll not only grow closer to God, but you'll grow closer to each other as well. Another option, if you're, if you're single, you're like, well, that's not for me. Well, for all of us, we have life groups. At the end of this service, we're going to meet back in Noble. We have a life group luncheon, and you'll be able to hear about the different life groups, and you'll be able to dive in. Maybe Tuesday doesn't work for you. Maybe it's a better... Uh, a, Thursday's a better night, but find a life group that fits it, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to go deeper in being known and knowing others, and that's where these relationships start, all of them, not just marriage, but all of them, so this is critical. That's no. The next one is trust, and trust is built on no. Trust is more than just keeping a promise or keeping a vow. It's this feeling of, of security and this feeling of confidence that flows out of what you think about who you're in a relationship with. It's hard to have trust if you don't know. And so once you get to that trust, it, it, it goes deeper. And, and trust doesn't come from what you know. It, it comes from how you think about the person that you know. Because if you trust them, you'll, you'll lean into them a little bit more. And that actually lends to the next component, which is rely. Rely is all about reliance. Uh, to rely refers to the way that we depend on each other, to meet each other's needs, uh, each other's wants, to fulfill life's responsibilities. It's the way that we love and play together as we make experiences memorable. It's, it's an important aspect of this. Now, trust is more about what you think, relies more about what you do. 
So do you see how they're building on each other? You have to know to be able to trust, trust to be able to rely on each other. And then we get to commit. And commit's a little deeper. I want to make sure I touch on this one because uh, we might immediately go to the vows that we made at the altar on our wedding day, but that's only the beginning because there's three levels of, of commit. The first one is promise. The second one is priority, and the third one is presence. And, and let me just fill you in a little bit on this because I want you to know these. Uh, promise is the first step. That's the one that you make at, at the wedding uh, ceremony. You commit yourself one to another, right? And you say things for, like, for better or for worse, right? Some of you are thinking, we've had a lot of worse, you know? We've had more worse than better. God can redeem that. Uh, you might be thinking, well, we said richer or poor. When does the richer kick in, right? Or maybe in sickness and in health. And some of you know this. You're like, well, I said that. Yes, I, I promised, I made a covenant to that. But I didn't know I was going to have a spouse that was going to be chronically ill for our entire marriage. I didn't know that my husband was going to get a terminal illness and I was going to lose him when we thought we had a lot more years to go. But we made a covenant, we made a promise to one another. And that's that first level of commitment. The second one is priority. And priority is not uh, just one more thing added on my list of things. Priority means priority. You make them central. Everything else is determined by this priority. You make them a central focus of your life. And let me tell you where I blew this um, years ago. Uh, My wife was pregnant. Um, I was going on a deep sea fishing trip. And she asked me to stay home. She really needed me to stay home that day. And I was just young and dumb, and I went on that fishing trip. And it's funny that I still remember that today, because I knew walking out of the house today I was making, I was making a mistake, because I wasn't making her a priority. Today I'd make a whole different decision, but back then I was just more self, I was just narcissistic and selfish, and if I'm being honest. And so priority is critical within these relationships if you want them to, to work right. The third one is presence. And presence works, I think, on two different levels. The first one is kind of inside. It's in our heart, right? So uh, listen to this because this, is, I think, is important. Um, you need to think about your spouse being with you no matter where you go, um, especially in these, these marriage covenant relationships. You need to think about your spouse being with you because so often we write ourselves permission slips to do things that we normally wouldn't do if our spouse was standing there. And some of you know what I'm, I'm talking about because you did it last night. You need to think about your spouse being there. Would you make the same decisions? Are you doing anything that if your spouse saw you doing it, you would be embarrassed of it or you'd have to confess to it? That's what I mean by presence. The other part of presence is just physical presence, just being there, being present for the moment. And not just physically, but mentally, and listen to me, guys, emotionally and spiritually present in your relationship. You have promise and you have presence, um, priority, and you have presence when it comes to this idea of commit. And I want you to think through that. Now, once we get these first four, then we enter into touch. And touch is this romance. It's this uh, um, affection and intimacy that, that is expressed through touching. And God has wired us in a very, very unique way. Do you realize that? Touch is interesting because especially intimate touching There's a release of of chemicals in our bodies, things like uh, oxytocin and dopamine and vesopressin that are released in our body. And what these chemicals do is they permanently bond us to the person that we are touching and that's touching us. That's the way God has designed it. And it's so interesting for me. It's released in our bloodstream and we're connected to this person on a deeper level, one that we we couldn't hardly even imagine. 
Now, um, that's those five components of this RAM model, and they need to be done in that order. And if you want to have some fun this week, here's the thing. Um, if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, take this chart, zero at the bottom, ten at the top, or whatever, and, and hand them the chart, and you do one, and you figure out where you think you're at on each one of these components, and then switch and see what happens. I bet your mind's going to be blown by the way that they see it as opposed to the way that you see it. These components are in order, and each one has a slider, and you need to be working on them, and it needs to go from left to right. So with that being said, let me ask you this. If you had to move these sliders and tell me what you, how you think most relationships start off as, where would you put the sliders? You know where I would do it? This is where I think most relationships start. Is there any wonder why we're having trouble? Just... You guys have heard my story. You know it already. This is what we did when we were in high school. I got my, my wife pregnant when we were in high school because we had it all out of kilt here. And, and, and so many relationships start off like this. We don't, we're, we're chemically bonding with somebody that we barely even know that has no commitment to us. And we wonder why we're struggling in our relationships because we're not following God's instructions. We're just making it up as we go. We did did not count the cost before we built the building and we're building it on the wrong Jenga block and it's all going to collapse down around us. And some of you, you're dealing with the pain right now of just what I said. Um, You know what that is? That's Kelvin, the manga man. That's what it is. It's the last part of that video. And you're dealing with, with the carnage, the wreckage that comes out of that. And it is horrible. So let me ask you a question. If you started off your relationship like this, maybe you're in it right now. Is there any hope for you? Absolutely. Yeah, remember what we said last week, that God can redeem anything? I don't want you to start off like this, but if you're there right now, let me just tell you, um, God can redeem it, but it's going to take a lot of work. You know why? Because you're going to have to push the pause button. And you're going to have to maybe go back and start moving some other sliders. You're going to have to work on some other components first. This is one of the reasons why when I sit down with our couples before I marry them, and this is more prevalent today than it's ever been, one of my first questions is, are you living together? Are you sexually active? And if you are, and you might be shocked by this, but this is what I tell them. You need to move out. You need to separate. No more sex until the wedding day. That's the way we start. Why? Because I don't want this happening to them. My wife and I, we started off like this, and I can tell you it took us a good five to six years before we got to a place where we didn't want to kill each other. I'm not joking. I mean, it was that serious. I, I tell you guys that all the time. She, she, her line was, if I, could, if I could bury your body and no one would find out about it, I'd do it right now. That's how bad our marriage was for the first five years. Why? Because we didn't know each other. We had no trust. There was no commitment, but we'd been physically active. We got to get this right. You have to start with the right foundation. Now, depending on where you're at in your relationship, you might need to push the pause button. And you might need to go back to the very beginning and start working on that first slider. And here's the deal. We all, in every one of our relationships, we have to start in the same place. It doesn't matter if you're you're single, you're staying single, you're engaged, you're married, you're divorced, you're a single parent. It doesn't matter. We all have to start in the same place. You have to start with the no. The number, this might blow your mind, the number of single moms that I counsel who are sexually active with somebody else kills me. And I get, I get it, trust me, I get that, that desire of wanting to be desired, wanting relationship, I get that. But if you do this wrong, it's not helping. 
It's going to cause more damage. Now, we have to start in the same place. The question is, what is that place? Where, where is that place? Well, Matthew chapter 22 tells us this. But when the Pharisees heard that he, talking about Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? You ready for it? If you've been here a while, you know this. You already know what I'm going to read. But maybe you haven't seen it this way before. Let's take a look at this. This is Jesus talking. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. This is the what? It's the first. Have you missed that before? It's the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. See, we, t- we call this the great command. The great commandment is what we call it. But rarely do we think of it as the first commandment. I want us to get it first. I want us to put first things first here today. The first thing you need to do is love God with everything that's within you. No matter what your desire is to do or to have or to achieve in life, this has to come first because this is the foundation that you're establishing for everything else. And the stronger the foundation, the more stable whatever you build on it is going to be. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, he said it this way, but seek what? But seek first. I'm checking to see if you're awake today. Uh, His kingdom and all and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. First, this is the first thing we have to do. And so often we put it as last. We have to seek God first and his kingdom. Now, this is for your home. This is for your marriage, for your relationships, to to be able to withstand the the test of time, the circumstances, um, the, the enemy that's attacking you. You have to base your foundation on this. This has to be the, the first thing, is to love God and then be able to love God, uh, others out of that love that you have for God. Um, do you guys remember last year a place called uh, Champlain uh, Towers? It was down in uh, Surfside, Florida. Uh, it was a horrible tragedy. It happened last year. Uh, it's a big, massive condominium. They had all these people living in it. It was right on the beach, and uh, this entire building on June 24th, right after 1.22 in the morning, collapsed. And uh, this is an artist's rendering of it. And uh, the tower wasn't particularly old either. It wasn't under any kind of major renovations or construction. It wasn't the victim of storm, earthquake, gas explosion. Uh, there was no terrorist attack or anything. It just, after 40 years, it just collapsed and killed 98 people. And uh, it, it was incredible how it went down. I want to show you a picture this is what it looked like when it was uh, just before it went down. And this is the security camera from a building right next to it. The whole thing came down. People were sleeping, 122 in the morning, 98 people died. 12 seconds is all it took for that entire building to come down. And this is what it looked like afterwards. And it, and it, it stood for nearly four decades, like I said, and collapsed all in one night. And it took a while for investigators to understand it, to figure out why it happened in the first place. And you know what the problem was? It went clear back to the beginning. It was foundation issues. Shoddy workmanship, they'd cut corners. They, they disregarded any effect that time and nature would have on the building. And there were plenty of signs. That was the crazy thing. Like, like all the building records showed there was cracks in the pillars, cracks in the foundations. And literally, you know how they fixed it? Spackle and paint. Just painted over it. And one, one crack in particular was four inches wide. It was in the foundation. And you know how they covered it up? They poured a cement planter, and they put flowers in it so people wouldn't see the crack. 
Now, there were plenty of signs, but nobody was paying attention to them. How many of us, this is the representation of our marriage, of our home. We've got a foundation issue. And we pretend like it's not there. We're just covering it up. We're not making Christ first. And we wonder why life isn't going the way that we had hoped. We, we wonder why we're struggling so mightily. And everything that happens in life, we're shook. And we have trouble recovering from the storms of life. Um, Jesus talks specifically about foundations in Scripture over and over and over again. When we uh, built our home, my wife, she's pretty crafty, and she uh, said, you know, we're living out here in the plains. I, I love this life out here. And, and one of the things that we see everywhere we go is just windmills. You see windmills everywhere, and they're pretty popular. She said, but I don't want the windmill. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go find me, and she put this on my honey-do list. I want you to go find me a big tail off of one of those, those windmills. And so I finally found one, bought it, and I brought it home. And uh, on this tail, she had me just kind of etch. She, she wanted it to look original, so I had to, I had to etch this MT-725 on it. And it's interesting because all the years we've had that hanging on our wall, only one person, of all the people that have come into our house, only one person has ever caught it. And it's kind of cool. You know where she got that? She got that from Matthew chapter 20, I'm sorry, Matthew uh, chapter 7. This is what it says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. Okay, stop just for a minute because I don't want us to miss this. You're wise when what? When you listen to his teachings and follow it. So you hear it and you actually apply it to your life. If you do that, Jesus says you are wise. And he goes on to say, like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. You're wise if you hear it and you follow it. But he flips it. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is what? It is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When it rains and floods, and floods come, and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The Surfside condominiums, that was not a Jenga game. It was a tragedy. Your home, your relationships, your marriage, it's not a game. It's not a game. You need to give it more thought. You need to work at it. You need to put the work in, and you need to start working and building a foundation that will withstand the test of time and everything that the world's going to throw at it. I want, you, I want to wake you up this morning. This is where we get serious. Um, the stakes are too high. There's too much writing on this. We need to start in the right place with the right foundation, and then we need to build in the right order. I want us to commit today to put first things first, first things first. Only then will we be, will we be able to build something on top of that that's going to withstand. Because I told you this already, you have an enemy working against you. You have an enemy that doesn't want you to have a good marriage, doesn't want you to have a good home, doesn't want you to have good relationships. So you have an active spiritual enemy working against you in this thing. And so if you're serious, I want you to put first things th- first. And I want to ask the question, are you building on the right foundation? Where are you at this morning? Be honest with yourself. Are you building on Jesus? Are you following God's instructions for your relationships? Am I starting with loving God so I can love others properly? This is, this is the first commandment. It's important for our homes so that we don't look the, like the last couple of seconds of Kelvin, the manga man's video. 
Right after a world record, everything crashes down around him. See, the truth is, you have an enemy working against you, and you need God's help. You need a strong foundation to build your home, to build your marriage, to build your parenting, to build your relationships on. Are you building on the right foundation? Be honest with yourself this morning. I want us to put first things first. Can I pray for that for all of us? Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now in this moment. Uh, Lord, we are um, messed up. We're broken. We've made mistakes, Lord. There's not a single one of us that can say that life turned out the way that we had hoped. And Lord, some of us, we're reeling from that. We're not sure what to do. We think we're, we failed. We think that we uh, have taken a wrong turn somewhere. And yet, Lord, the reality is it never goes as planned. We're in a broken world. And we're all broken. And we're trying to do broken relationships with other broken people. And, and Lord, in this moment, we just need you to come through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we need your, your touch, your healing touch in our, our relationships and our marriages and our families. Would you heal our homes? And God, I pray for strength and for wisdom as we take steps, as we get serious about creating the right foundation. Lord, I, I pray for each person in this room that they wouldn't experience everything crashing down around them but they would focus on that foundation and they would build it on you and that we would see great things come out of that. God, because we're here, we're declaring that you can redeem anything. You can take the mess of our life and you can make something beautiful out of it. And we thank you for that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to die for us so that we might have this chance of just building a life in you. God, I pray as we get closer to the holidays that you would begin a healing process in our relationships whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's marriage, whatever it is, would you, would you do something mighty, something supernatural that can only come through your spirit? God, we give you all the praise for what you're going to do in the coming weeks as we work on becoming better and winning at home. We pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.